Welcome back, perfect peeps, to perfect.dev. Today, we're going to be diving deeper into Nuxt.js. And today on the show, we also have Alexander Lichter. Did I do it right, Lichter? Uh, Lichter, so pretty close, pretty close. Pretty close. My my German's really rough, and what I mean by that is non-existent. So hopefully it's decent. (laughs) And we have two Alexes, so we're going to fight between you. Yeah, that's true. It, it, I'm also an Alexander, so it, it gets fun to uh, work through. And I have also. a son, Alexander, so we're just all Alexes here. Alex is like a popular people. name, yeah. <laughs> it's a very good name. It is. I think so too, yeah. I can fully agree. Um, so yeah, a little bit of detail on Alex. He is a passionate full-stack developer, speaker, and entrepreneur. He is the co-founder of the software consulting agency Dev- Development. Uh, as in a mint leaf development specializing in Nuxt.js. Alex has also been a core team member of Nuxt.js since 2018, which is amazing. Congrats. (laughs) Thanks a lot. Thanks. So we we invited Alex on because, um, as we just said, he is a core team member and we keep wanting to dive further into the the view world. And so uh, Alex graciously uh, volunteered to be our guinea pig of crazy questions and hopefully uh he can explain more to us as Brittany and i we don't have a ton of uh, uh view background so i not know what view it. is i've messed around with it but i i have not messed around with nuxt at all so this is this is fantastic to walk through so yes. welcome again alex thanks for having me super happy to be here how did, how did you like how did you get started on this path like where did nuxt come into your like background and how'd you get started on it Okay, uh, so let me think where I begin. So back then in 1996, uh, <laughs> no. So uh, I, I started basically uh, going full down on PHP. Uh, and there you basically have the choice of going to Symfony route or Laravel route framework wise. Mm-hmm. And uh, back then I, I loved Laravel a lot and I, I still do. It's still one of my favorite backend frameworks. So I've used it a bit and the, the Laravel community and the Vue community, they're quite close. So at some point, like you set your project up and you realize, oh, a, a JavaScript front-end framework is a pretty good idea. I started to dive into Vue, uh, not into React or Angular or something. Um, and then, then I used Vue in Laravel and a larger project. Um, and at some point, there were some, well, kind of issues where routing was partially uh, partially done by, done, by, done by Vue, partially done by Laravel, yeah. and the routers kind of fought. And... The situation was like, hmm, maybe we can drop Laravel as the rendering layer and just use it as an API. Uh, and so so did I in that project. But then the next downside was like, okay, we have now a full-fledged view front-end, but um, what is with SEO? What is We just get that empty HTML and then JavaScript loads and shows the content. And that's also bad for like link previews because you don't have titles and stuff in there. Yeah. So I, I looked into solutions and one of them was Nuxt, who mm-hmm. were just releasing their version 1.0. So I thought, well, why not giving it a try? And it, it was a breeze. Um, of course, due to being like full release now, lots of features worked out of the box, but some pieces were kind of missing. For example, like having a module who, uh, who, that is that's, uh, giving out an RSS feed, for example, if you have a blog. Some, some tiny things where people could hack them easily together. But I thought, okay, if I need it, maybe other people need it too. So I started open sourcing them, creating own modules, going into, into the Nuxt project itself. And um, step by step, I came in contact with the developers from the core team back then. So Puya, Alex, Sebastian, and Clark. And, and, and that was like early January-ish of 2018 then? Somewhere yeah, exactly. Around? Exactly. Absolutely correct. So early early 2018. And um, then, yeah, I, I got more and more involved. I worked the modules. I started contributing to the core because I understood the core even better. And I saw, okay, maybe we can improve things there. Or, or in my project, this is missing. Maybe other people need that too, make it configurable and so on. So during the spring and summer, I contributed more and more. And in, in the summer back then, I moved from Germany to Ireland for half a year because uh, I did some, uh, yeah, some uh, work experience there for for half a year uh, at a cool company. And um, yeah, back then, uh, Sebastian asked me, "Well, uh, there's the Vue.js London in I think September. Yeah, it should be September. Um, could you could you join us there?" And I was like, 
well, I have to figure it out with my boss because I started on September 1st and I was like, well, I can't, oh, <laughs> maybe I can't take a vacation just a few days after I started, but they were like, yeah, no problem at all. That that works out. Very so cool. they said like, okay, nice. if you can book the flight in the hotel, we sponsor you the ticket or cool. And then I, I met uh, all these crazy people from the community the first time. And not be crazy in a bad way, crazy smart. And yeah, and, and that was a blast. And then they said like, like, just a few uh, minutes before they presented and uh, released, uh, it, they did a, did a live release. They said, "Like, yeah, congrats! You are uh, you're on the core team." Wow! Oh, wow! What that's a surprise! That, that was uh, a moment of honor. I was I was seriously shocked and super. And happy. this was at a Vue.js conference. Yes, it was at the yeah, Vue.js London. Amazing. That's really, really cool. Very good so this, story on, on uh, yeah. getting started on Nux, right? That's probably the most uh, exciting way to deliver news like that I've ever heard. Yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> I think also this kind of shows if you're if you're interested in something and con- work on it continuously, you can you can achieve lots of things. Because I, I'm I'm not like I'm not the smartest developer out there. No way. <laughs> I just like I was curious and I wanted to learn and I wanted to understand. And this this helped. And you saw a need. You said, "You said, hey, it's got these things, but I need this. Maybe somebody else needs this. So you saw yeah. something that there was a need in the community and you put forth the effort to contribute that and they respected I, that, which is awesome. I think also that's some some natural way to contribute where I think like, okay, this yeah. piece is missing. Um, and if, if it is missing for my project, maybe for others too. So they don't have to do the same thing like me and hack it together. Maybe we can just add it in a in a nice manner. That's really neat. Um, so during that kind of course of 2018, it, it sounds like, you know, you started on Nuxt and a lot of time was was heading down that path. Um, it, it sounds like you were working for someone else, but where did the, the agency part of the development uh, kind of side of your, it sounds like entrepreneurial spirit, uh, where did that kick in? So uh, way early, actually, because um, when I finished my A-levels uh, around 2015, um, that, that's basically started where two friends and I founded that company and now we're only two people. So one of our friends left because, uh, due to various reasons, actually, uh, he didn't like the whole entrepreneurial thing, having so much responsibility and also sure. being, having to be available, uh, lots, lots of times. And well, it, it's easier to say like having just quote unquote, just being employed, having the times there and don't have to do over hours if you don't need to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, back in 2015, um, there was a friend in class and their parents asked at some just random, uh, happening if, if someone could program a website, I was like, yeah, I could do that. And then they thought like, okay, yeah, cool. Uh, and uh, we can also, we also can give you money, but you need a company. Otherwise we can't pay you. And that's, a, that's the parents, a good incentive right there. <laughs> it, was, it was super in- incentive and it even became better because, uh, one of the parents uh, was a tax advisor. <laughs> so they said like, yeah, no problem. Uh, Germany, if it is, it's not that difficult to, to found a company um, to, well, it, it depends on the type, but getting started yeah. wasn't, wasn't too difficult. Um, so yeah, that, that happened. Uh, and we covered lots of, uh, lots of fields. So one of our friends was, and uh, is still an, an app developer. So he, he cared a lot about iOS applications and the other two of us, so me and uh, our friend, were mostly web-focused. So, yeah, that's where we started. And, of course, like many other companies, started like small, medium enterprises, building websites, building applications. Um, and also, at the time where I did the work experience in, in Ireland, it was due to my, um, due to my university time where it was mandatory, uh, more and more requests came regarding Nux. So people asked me, look, can, can you help me? And I was always like, yeah, no problem. I answer things in Discord. I answer through Twitter DMs. And some of people like, yeah, maybe can you have, can you give me some dedicated time, some hours per week uh, to help you out? Uh, so, so you help me out figuring, uh, figuring out stuff, solving problems. I was like, well, right now I have a full-time job. And when I'm back in Germany, <laughs> why not? And yeah. this, is, this is where the whole process started. And the requests, they, they just came in. So basically... I started also blogging uh, in, in 2018 and people read blog posts. They're like, oh yeah, I read that blog post, super cool, but can you help me with this? Or I found you because you spoke at that conference. Could you help me there? Yeah. So that's awesome. That's, uh, that's how the whole shift also came from like developing websites, of 
course with Nuxt for <laughs> small and medium enterprises than to doing more consultancy. That's really neat. Yeah. So do you guys solely um, basically develop and consult around Nuxt or do you branch out into like React and, or Angular or just straight up JavaScript? So vanilla JavaScript is always a topic because I yeah. think fundamentals are super important no matter which framework you use. Yep. Um, especially if people, I mean, it's kind of it's kind of common. People start and jump over the like the basics. Just say, okay, I get it to view React, Spell, Angular, you name it. And at some point, um, it is it is difficult for them to like either build stuff or read code from others. It it, ha it happened to me as well. Like I started and thought, like, mm, I I don't know that language feature. Let's let's look it up. So yeah, yeah. vanilla JavaScript always important, especially like refactoring, clean code, and so on. Uh, but we mainly focus on on Vue and Nuxt um, at the moment. I mean, my colleague is mostly doing still um, iOS and macOS. Yeah. So we have that that uh, split part here. But um, besides that, so web technology wise, um, Vue and Nuxt is the way because I'm I'm not super fluent in React or Angular or most other frameworks. Uh, and I think my specialization expertise really lies in, in Vue and Nuxt, and there sure. can help people the best way. Of course, if people have like, I have one of my clients having a PHP backend where like, okay, I can yeah. I can look at it, uh, I, I can give it a try, but well, uh, I'm I'm not. I mean, I know how to how to program a PHP, and now I also know the system, but I'm not a super expert. Yeah, um, I completely agree with you too. Those fundamentals are key when you're first starting out. I did the same thing. I jumped into React really fast and React gets super confusing where you get like the lifecycle methods and things and you're like, this isn't really JavaScript, it's React. And so it's hard to break those things apart if you don't learn those core fundamentals first. And so I think that is really important too. However, once you learn those fundamentals, find a framework and learn it and use it because writing in vanilla JavaScript, I'm doing that right now. Finding that is not fun. <laughs> Definitely. I think everybody should have done this at least a couple of times so they know what you should use yes, the framework. They know what it's like. <laughs> Definitely. But right. also having having that pain, felt that pain is quite important <laughs> to realize why all these things exist and why they make the developers' exactly. lives easier. Yeah. Why people way smarter than me did it before me. <laughs> <laughs> So I know um, in a previous podcast that we recorded, um, Daniel Rowe, who's, who's also a member on the Nux team, um, we kind of talked about Nux at a very high level and like when would you use it and, and those sort of things. But I think for, for this episode and kind of that diving deeper portion of it, we're, we're trying to kind of do some comparison on maybe other other frameworks or just at least understanding how Vue fits into that like Nuxt paradigm a little bit further. Um, so the first thing for me, like I, I have more of an Angular background and then Brittany and I, you know, throughout writing uh, CodingCat's site in Next, we, we started to like learn React and understand Next itself. I, I think understanding both of those, when I look at them, there's a lot of things that Vue itself took from maybe not took but like had these realizations of this works really well in react and this works really well in angular and they started to use all like the best things it seems like mm -hmm. like having a cli and having you know these modules and, and things like that but can can you start to like break down perhaps like where a person would first get started when they use nuxt or should they first learn view how does that look for a a view or nuxt developer so I would say it depends. Like lots of people start learning Vue and I think this this is kind of natural. So start with like the least complex part. Uh, I mean, you could also take Nuxt and just say, ignore server-side rendering, ignore all the cool capabilities, just take Nuxt and write Vue components as usual. This, this would also work out. But the common path is usually to say, okay, I, I, chose, I choose a framework and it's, it's Vue. And at that point, I build like a small pet project, uh, a small SPA, like the classic help world to-do list or some, uh, well, more creative things. Um, but it, it's nothing wrong with to-do to -do list, don't, don't get me wrong here. Um, or a Hacker News clone. Yeah. Uh, and then if you need it, then jump over to Nuxt. Uh, because I think at some point, lots of developers will think either I need something like server-side rendering and sending it up manually is a bit of overhead and usually not worth the time it's even i mean it depends of course on the re uh, requirements but it's even what the the view documentation says uh so if you get it out of the box then yeah why why not or if you think about like writing routes um 
it's it's super common in Vue.js. You have the router, the view router, and you write a router.js file that has have like has all your routes and saying, okay, that route, this component, and it maps that. And Next, for example, can abstract it away by just using the file system. So you have like a pages folder, they just put in page components and pages slash index.view is equivalent to uh, localhost 3000, that's it. And pages slash about.view is localhost 3000 slash about and so on. Is that so available there... in view or is that just Nuxt? So that's a Nuxt thing. Uh, by now okay. there are some, some ports, uh, so they, there are view plugins that also allow that. Okay. Um, but that's that's a core concept of Nuxt to use yeah. the file system wherever possible. Mm -hmm. Similar for the Vuex store, which is like for global state management, uh, it works the same way. A module is just JavaScript file uh, in, in the file system there. Okay, yeah, it um, sounds very similar to how Create React app allows you to do so much. And then once you want to kind of extend upon that, you get to pull in things like Next or Gatsby or like whatever you need. It sounds very similar to that. Um, Angular, I think, is an outlier because it gives you those yeah. things out of the box that you need just right there. But Svelte kind of did that with Sapper. And then now they're kind of combining it to where they're going to offer SvelteKit. But I feel like Vue and React are very similar to where they have that just spa and then... If you want to extend past that, then you need to reach for one of those frameworks that does something more. Absolutely. And I think with Angular, they also have Scully now. It's a static oh, site Oh, yeah, generator. that's true. The, the static <laughs> so site. It came, it came a bit later, though, but uh, I think there's also the, the pattern continues there Yeah. now, at least. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I, I definitely agree. Um, so as, if, if someone's listening, um, that isn't used to like Noxt. I'm going to, I'm going to bring up the site here real quick so we can take a peek at it. Um, some of the stuff that you're talking about on the Nux side and like page routing, um, they kind of walk through. And again, if, if you're a React developer, you're very used to like next link um, and next. Um, and here is Nux link. So when you start to look at tag wrapper though, I'm kind yeah, of cool with that. Yeah. <laughs> a little, little different. They use the two as well. <laughs> Um, so when you, when you start to look at something like this though, Alex, is it, um, going to preload all of those pages as well? Are you starting to get like performance benefits just from using Nuxt? Yes, indeed. So that's, that's one of the, the core fundamentals and ideas there to have like sensible defaults and optimizations out of the box based on like the 80, 20 rules. So mm -hmm. ideally you don't have to do anything and you get lots of performance benefits, but if you want to change something, you can always do that and configure it. In this case, um, so think about that page where you have that Nuxt link. Uh, say this is not the index page, but it's the about page. And you start there with your initial request. Then as soon as that link comes uh, in the viewport and the page is idle, so all that important page content has, has been loaded already, uh, and your connection is good, so 3G, 4G, and so on, and data saver is not enabled, so if, if you're okay with that, <laughs> um, then... The JavaScript files for that page will be preloaded or prefetched. That's yep, called prefetch. smart prefetching in Next, and it, it works similar to like uh, how, how Gatsby does it, or I think Next as well. So there there are lots of implementations of that right now. Um, I was going to say it looks get... like Gatsby too. Gatsby yeah. does the link, and then two equals. So they do a similar thing. And also with, with the prefetching, and I think that's the cool yeah. that's the cool part here that ecosystem. Like if there's if there's an interesting idea in some of the frameworks, people always look around and think about how does it fit in our way of doing that. So it's not just like okay, we copy paste that idea. I mean, if it works and if it makes sense, like prefetch links there, okay, sure. Um, but there are also other scenarios. Like in Nuxt, you have a modern mode, and the modern mode means uh, you have another bundle, so another JavaScript a set of JavaScript files generated. And if you have a modern browser like uh, not IE, so say Firefox, Chrome, uh, Safari at some level, um, then you don't get that old transpiled uh, IE compatible code, but you just get a new code that's smaller and does the page loads faster. Mm. And of course it's less code, so it's easier to parse for the browser and will be quicker. So no. it gives what the browser can read. Yeah, exactly. So usually oh, nice. if you say by default, okay, transpile it back to a level that even IE would understand that. In this case, you say, oh, it's an evergreen browser. I just give what you would expect. Nothing compiled down to some older versions. That's nice. And that's even detectable. So uh, you, you can still have that IE fallback. Yeah, one of these days we'll be able to uh, shut off IE finally. <laughs> it should be in August, right? In, in theory, that's, at least. But... Yeah, that's in what theory, yes. Saying. Let's, they let's keep see. saying, I think it's below 2% of government sites. If they're not hit by IE, we can finally yeah. turn it off. Yeah. So. 
it's about time. <laughs> um, so the next kind of step that I'm curious about, so for others that have like written view and things like that, I uh, just want to bring up the the layout now. So when we start to talk about views in Nuxt, um, like a traditional page, let's see here if this has, yeah, this is this is kind of similar to a normal view component. And there's several components that just create the total page in view. And um, on like Angular, it typically defaults. So you have like three files. You separate your CSS, your HTML, and then your JavaScript all apart. Vue tends to keep all of those in a single dot view component. How does like when this um, has layout where it has the plus Nuxt options and things like that, how does that start to come in play? Um, what does what does Nuxt add to Vue? Okay, so um, at first, yeah, right. You have these single single file components that contain uh, all the templates, script, and style parts. Um, in theory, so Nuxt adds thanks to Vue Meta, which is another library that Nuxt pulls in these ha this hat method. If you scroll down a bit, it's also shown, I think, in the code here. Oh no, in that. Uh, in that sample code of the page uh, above, yeah, there. You have that hat method. And in there, you could, for example, say, uh, return an object and you set title to um, hello perfect def. And it would uh, then render out the page title uh, above to hello perfect def. You could also set like a canonical tags, links, meta tags, whatsoever. Uh, so you can control the, the meta tags and, and attributes of your site per file, per component. Of course, you can also specify them globally as fallbacks. But uh, yeah, you, you can uh, you can provide them there. So that's one of the things that Nuxt adds thanks to Vue Meta, which is also maintained uh, by a, a Nuxt uh, team member. And is, is that going to happen whether it's server-side rendered, browser-rendered, all of them? All of them, yeah. The cool yep. thing is, of course, if it's server-rendered, then that, that had result will be part of the HTML. So again, it's crawlable. And if it's client rendered, then it will be set as soon as the browser parsed it. So also on navigation, you will see that uh, switching and it all just works. That's something I was going to ask too, is uh, you talked a little bit about server-side rendering. And does this do it on a per-page basis or is it just the whole app you have to decide going in what you want? So by default, it's the whole application. But depending on... So also there are two kinds of server-side rendering. It's also it's always a quite confusing term because <laughs> you can say you have dynamic server-side rendering. So you have a Node.js server running all the time and it, the pages will be generated dynamically. That's mm -hmm. that's why I name it dynamic server-side rendering. Or you could say server-side rendering on build time, which is basically static side generation S and S Jamstack. Yep. And in both <laughs> cases, you can decide should the server build time or dynamically put out the HTML or just send an empty HTML file and the client will resolve it with the JavaScript. So okay. empty HTML file in terms of loading spinner and stuff. By default, it's the whole application that will be rendered server-side, but you can also go the hybrid mode. So either you can configure it through a module for dynamic server-side rendering uh, and for static site generation, you can exclude pages so they won't be pre-rendered. Okay, so you said per module. So how do you use, what are those modules that you're talking about for Nuxt.js? Uh, right, so that, that's a cool part because at some point your, your application uh, has some requirements that maybe the framework does not fulfill. So say there are some files that should be generated after something had been built or there, let's change a config here uh, given that, uh, so there, there, there's lots of, there are lots of requirements that by default, no framework can all uh, fulfill. So either you have configuration and maybe at some point you need a bit more. And that's where Nuxt modules come in. Okay. So Nuxt modules have basically all the freedom to do whatever they want. They can they can add templates. So they can add things at, uh, at runtime. They can change the Nuxt configurations to override things, to, to set, set things on... Uh, specific uh, scenarios or specific conditionals and they can also use Nuxt hooks and Nuxt hooks that's a concept of, of the framework again so um, whenever Nuxt is doing something say building assets rendering a page starting generation stopping generation or finishing uh, a hook is emitted and you can always at, at that point execute some code so for example if you say hey if you generate something I want to generate another file you could use a Nuxt hook so you have the option to configure the behavior of the framework basically without limitations. You can always say, oh, if, if there is some Webpack 
compilation going on, do something here or <laughs> strip something out or leave that. So one one use case, for example, uh, that's that's a very common question. Can I use Nuxt without having SPA at the end? So can I just remove all the script tags and all the JavaScript? Super common um, that people are asking that. It's It's not, I mean, I think by now it's even possible by default to through an option. But back then you can just say, okay, if you render a page, then um, before you render it out, get the HTML and then just remove all script tags. Wow. So that's so, they're making a truly like static HTML page, yeah. not interactive really in any way. So with, with no view and all. And that's just one use case where you could just say, I can change the behavior of the framework how my project needs it so that would disable javascript essentially so like if you had something dynamic on the page would it then become static yeah right that that wouldn't work anymore exactly so it was just like say you have a landing page and you have a like a a plain old form that does a post request to some api endpoint with like method and an action um that would of course still work so for landing pages this is super common or uh, also, uh, a quick uh, SEO trick here. You can say when you use dynamic server-side rendering, if the user agent uh, is a Googlebot, for example, strip out the JavaScript in on some pages because Googlebot can understand JavaScript, of course, but it will never do like a client-side navigation request. It will never like click on the page and do something. It will always mm-hmm. get do a new initial request and then you can send it from the server again. Okay. And those models, are they similar to like a plugin where you have to install it? Or is it just like some JavaScript that you throw into a component? So yeah, they're quite similar to to plugins. Also, okay. <laughs> they're, they're Nuxt plugins and Nuxt modules. So the terminology is a little yeah. bit confusing here. Um, but the difference is modules, they can also register plugins. So modules are basically more powerful. Plugins are mostly fought for runtime. So if you say like, I want to do something globally, on, uh, on the first request or globally on client side, then use a Nuxt plugin. For example, you say, hey, when the app has been loaded, please start tracking something. Or on the server side, the initial request set this, this, this. Then use a plugin usually. And a module can do way more because it can change the Nuxt config, which a Nuxt plugin cannot because it is already at, at runtime level, not um, at like build time. So... Um, yeah, that, that's the difference here. And of course, there are a few methods for for modules so they can get the Nuxt options and they can uh, they can read out the config and they can do so many other things. So they're, they're quite powerful. And yeah. It's interesting that they add some like extra functionality. Exactly. And the, another cool part is that you don't have to reinvent the wheel again. You can isolate and test them as well. So you can like add your functionality, then like run integration tests and stuff. And they are also easily shareable. So you install that module as npm package, and then you just add it to the Nuxt config. And uh, maybe you do some uh, more advanced configuration, like for some tracking tool, you want to set an ID or something. Uh, but maybe you just add it, and then you have all the functionalities you want. And there's nice. there are so many modules. What's the so what's the difference, or how do you differentiate between like modules versus plugins, or do modules become plugins? What's that look like? So as I said, modules can register plugins. So modules can say, at runtime, I want to do something. I want to register my own plugin. Um, But as I mentioned, modules can do way more than doing things at runtime. So when the app is already running in the browser or in the server, um, they can already influence through Nuxt hooks, for example, the whole build process. I could also just write a simple module that says, if I start my dev server, uh, I get a a cool banner if it started saying, okay, that's my URL and that's Nuxt version and so on. And I could just say, hey, I, I want to add a cool uh, inspirational quote or I just want to add uh, the weather for uh, Leipzig, Germany there. Then you could also do that. So it does not necessarily have to change anything at runtime. It could also improve the build process. Also mm-hmm. like common, if you want to integrate uh, ES build, which is quite common nowadays, mm-hmm. uh, that's also happening through a module. Uh, so the modules can also change the Webpack config, adding things there. Um, okay. So practically, as you said, anything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it, it opens it's up. Truth. <laughs> and um, that, that, that's one of the that's one of the largest benefits. That even if you say like, okay, my project has some very exotic requirements, yeah. ideally you can you can solve them all through a module. So when we talk a little bit about like 
creating the content side for pages and things like that. And I'll bring, I'll bring this back up too. Um, so when we dive into this kind of content section, and this is just me coming from like a Next.js world, I guess, when you have to look up in Next, you take and you go fetch it via API or whatever you need to do from a data perspective. And if you're doing server-side rendering or static rendering of that, you then have to take that data and pass it to the actual component so that it can render. And typically it'll render that server side. And then once it hydrates, you can take off with that data on the front end side of things, however you'd like. Is, is that similar to like a module that would be defined on the Nuxt framework as well? So I would say this is, uh, this is actually part of the framework already. So the whole process, so okay. you can, you, you have, you have two methods in Nuxt right now. One is called fetch and the other one is called async data. Uh, and both are available for data fetching. So in both cases, you can say uh, this method will be executed on the server side. And if there's a promise in there, for example, to fetch things from an API, then it will wait, resolve the promise, and uh, render the template with the data. And then eventually, view will hydrate, transform the data into views a VDOM representation, and the page is interactive. So this already works the same. You don't necessarily need a module like the Nuxt content module in there. Uh, so you, you're free to do this with whatever you want. So if you okay. have just a super simple site uh, that, that renders, again, inspirational quote, you can already do that with just a couple lines of code. And so when you're doing like the async await side of it, it, it knows enough that that is occurring on the server side, not on the client side. So yeah, you, you can, at first you can specify targets to so say target server, for example, okay. or say SSR false if you don't want that. Um, and besides that, yeah, you use the methods, say fetch, and the Nuxt knows, okay, if there's a fetch method, then we we wait for the result on the server side, unless you say at that component, fetch on server false. Then we know, okay, we can skip it, all good. But besides that, yeah, that's uh, that's already baked in into the framework, which is why okay. data fetching is made super easy. Yeah, that's really neat. Um, one thing I discovered when I was just kind of looking around for different things um, on the, the Nuxt content piece of things. There's a lot described in this section, and I don't know if you want to dive down this or not, but I found this like advanced content section that comes into play as well. Um, is this something that you might get into later on as you're like having like larger requirements in your files or do people um, tend to get into these advanced like slugs and configuration uh, right up front? So, I mean, it always depends on your requirement. Again, lots sure. of things can be done with, with next content easily without like having some crazy advanced usage. But of course here, you know, right. If you scroll down a bit, you see it there um, in, you have the option to, to pass in routes that Nuxt should generate. By default, Nuxt has a crawler now. So um, Nuxt will just crawl all URLs that are somehow linked to the site and you don't have to pass them uh, anymore. But of course, if you still want that or say, well, maybe my content isn't that well linked, you can mm -hmm. still pass them. And in here you would say, okay, this is some programmatic usage of that Nuxt content module where you say, uh, in generator routes is just a function. And eventually you say, these are all my routes I want to generate. And this is what you can do there. Of course, okay. some other configurations with Nuxt content are like, well, I want to add the reading time to all my articles. And I don't want to do that manually. So you yeah. say, look, before, again, you can use a, a hook here for that module, which is some, some kind of hook inception, but uh, super cool. You can say before... Uh, I that the next content module takes a file and, and does something with it, um, add some attribute. So before it, it uh, makes a file ready, I can say add the reading time based on an NPM module where I just pass in the whole body and it will just tell me uh, the reading time for that. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's pretty powerful. Um, the, the next kind of thing I want to bring up is it, it seems very intuitive for a framework to include this already, but the, the store side of things. So um, in React, we have you know a million stores in Angular, there's NGX and GRX, like a million different store uh, capabilities as well. It seems like in, in Vue, there's kind of most people that I see use this kind of basic store that's built into this. Do you find that to be true as well? 
Absolutely. So Vuex is the way to go uh, for Vue 2. So it, it always was. So that was the like also kind of official uh, maintained by the, the Vue core team solution for global state handling. And the cool part here is we integrate it if you like. So if you have a file in the folder, we will, we will, uh, so Nux will import Vuex. Otherwise it's not included. So no KB is wasted. <laughs> Yeah. And yeah, that's that's a good way of uh, of global state handling. Of course, you have other options now also that uh, the composition API is out. So you could use some uh, or build your own Vuex or use the Vue Observable API and so on. So there are a couple of other versions, but I think the, the one killer argument for Vuex is that you have DevTools integration with time traveling and stuff. Because in Vuex, you have the option, like it's kind of Flux inspired. It's not, working like flux but if you have uh, mutations and only mutations can change the state you have the state that can only be read not set manually and you can commit mutations that change the state so that means that you always know which mutation changed the state you can always revert it so you can time travel back to other states before and so on so that's a pretty powerful concept and in the view dev tools uh, mm -hmm. it's it's shown and visualized very well i awesome. i um i hate to ever like Put this this framework against another one because we like propping them all up. But can you just kind of somewhat explain to those who have used Gridsum in the past? Like, are there benefits to using Nux versus Gridsum, or is it just you know a different way of handling things? What what does that different framework look like? So yeah, I think uh, it's it's a kind of other yeah other way to do things as usual. Uh, I think Gridsum. I'm more in the whole, we only focus on Jamstack instead of stack side generation uh, direction, similar to Gatsby. Uh, they also have like a GraphQL data layer and stuff. So it's, if, if you're looking for something like Gatsby, so if you know Gatsby and you think, I want to start with something similar in Vue, then Gridsum would be a good choice, I think, because you kind of feel, con uh, you kind of feel uh, familiar with some concepts there. So Gridsum is GraphQL based? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, from my experience, yes, it, it has a graphical layer. And with layer. Nux, you can choose how you want to receive your data. Exactly. And it's it works a bit differently because, again, you have the choice. Do you want to go full static side generation or do you want to go dynamic server-side rendering? So uh, you you need other concepts if you want to handle all these cases than mm -hmm. if you just, quote-unquote, just want to handle static <laughs> side generation. Um so yes, and Nux doesn't have that uh, data layer, so to say. So you can, of course, use GraphQL if you like. You can use RESTful API. You can even just require JSON files and you're all good. Um, yeah. so it's all up to you there. That's nice that you can choose how you want to do it without a lot of configuration. I, that was I also know super important. a lot of people um, that, that know kind of both Vue and React, um, I've often heard them describe like Nuxt to Next and Gridsum to uh, Gatsby. So they, do. they sound very similar. Those, those yeah. letters uh, being I very mean, confusing. <laughs> I mean, Nuxt came out, Nuxt came out, I think a week or so after, after the first version of Next. And of course, name wasn't chosen by coincidence. So Vue, Next. <laughs> But I think by now, I mean, the, there are some ideas shared, but the directions are still not going in the same way. Uh, so, of course, some, some concepts, some ideas are still similar because they also cover slightly the same areas. Uh, but still, the, the whole development uh, direction is, is a bit different. Yeah. Anyway, as usual, if there are good concepts that fit in the ecosystem, why not use it? That's the cool thing in open source. If there's a great idea, then, well be inspired, implement it, give credits, everyone's happy. I completely agree. When we talk um, kind of comparing those, there's a concept for uh, regeneration for static pages. Is that a concept that is in Nuxt as well? So this is super interesting. Yeah, these, this hybrid mode or however you want to call it, yeah. it that, that's that's a part that is missing from the core of Nux 2 right now. But yeah. as Nux 3 is in development and also a new rendering engine uh, called Nux Nitro, uh, this will be a thing. So this this will work, uh, especially, of course, with platforms like uh, Wurzel, like Clover Workers and so on. So mm -hmm. uh, with, with Nux Nitro, with the new engine, that will also work with, with Nux 2. That's the cool thing. It's back portable. And I've actually used it in a couple of projects now. And it's, it's super, super cool. Um, 
Nux now supports serverless easy, but also this whole hybrid mode. Because in the end, what's happening is that you do server-side rendering and then cache the result. Right. So if, if it's not in the cache, do that rendering once and save it for whatever amount, indefinitely, till tomorrow, for a minute. Um, and that's the idea behind it. And it will uh, fully work if, of course, the platform supports it. That's always uh, mandatory. I yeah. just watched Spelt Summit and they were talking about like the caching and the ISR thing. And I had to go back and watch our Jason Lingsdorf episode. So if you want to know more about that, he explains it really well. So go back and listen to that episode. He talks about how the caching like causes this factorial of uh, exponential like changes that could happen. And it's kind of crazy. So that was a good listen. Um, is so I know they've they've kind of off and on said there's a roadmap. Is there an official roadmap for V3 out now? Uh, there is. So Q1, that's yeah. already gone. It was uh, private alpha. So I've already tinkered around with Nux3. I've also tinkered around with Nitro. I mean, of course, uh, also reported tons of uh, cool and interesting bugs and features. Yeah. Uh, and in Q2, so ideally, uh, I mean, now till june at some point there till of june there will be a public beta so repos will be open sourced there will be guides to how to use that and people can if they want to migrate uh to next free with view free support but especially like library module authors should also take the chance there to migrate to make their plugins ready to embrace the whole new composition api which plays a huge role in that uh, refactor if, if you want to use it and then uh, at some point, 2021 RCs and ideally stable release. But that also depends on the feedback on how the public beta will go and so on. Sure. Is that switching from Nux version 2 to 3 or is that Vue version 2 to 3? Nux 2 to 3, but also Vue 2 to uh, okay, 3. Yep. So both. Um, but the good thing is if you don't want to use... The, so if you want to use the composition API, which I personally really prefer, um, then you can do that already. So... Because the composition API that emerged with Vue 3 was backported to Vue 2 now through a plugin. And there are also plans to move it into the Vue 2 core. <laughs> um, it can be used with Nux. Plus, we also have, again, a module for that. So we have a composition API module that provides all the developers with Nux-specific functionalities in that new API. So they can use it with the composition API all good. If they do that already, the migration will be easier because at first... We, we want to also align that module with how, how Nux3 will handle compositions uh, and composables. And if, if you don't use it, if you only use Options API, you can stick with that with almost no problems. And you only have to think about uh, the, the view 2 to 3 changes and maybe some minor things in Nux2 to 3. Yeah, that's great advice. Um, for those listening on audio, I just want to point out Alex has a, a Cappy view Nux with a heart on a sign behind him. So... He's he's probably uh, big into the composition API, as you can tell. I love it. It's 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 just amazing, especially if you have lots of complex logic. And for all people who like TypeScript TypeScript a lot, then uh, they will be super relieved because Vue and TypeScript support was there, but more difficult than other frameworks. And with the composition API, everything works fully typed, all good. Um, That's awesome. That's yeah, nice. super this helpful. Is this is probably a perfect time to trans into our transition into our perfect picks because Alex's first pick is kind of right up this alley. So Alex, do you want to do your first one? Yeah, that's view use. Uh, I love it. It's as the, as the website says, it's a collection of essential view composition utilities. So it works for you too and view free thanks to view Demi, which is a library that makes all that uh, possible. And you have lots of composables there. So things you can also write on your own, but you could just simply use it because they're tested and they work. And you can also look how they're written. For example, say you want to register an event listener. So on keystroke, you want to do something. Uh, you you have to do that on mounted. You have to register that. And on before unmount, you have to remove that again to avoid memory leaks. And instead of doing that manually, have lots of boilerplate code again and again, you can just use use event listener, which is, if you know React, some kind of hook, or in this case called view composable, not React hook. And yeah, there we go. That's the, the documentation part here for all look in the video. And instead of having the boilerplate code with the, the lifecycle methods again and again, you can just use that, that, compo that composable. And same goes for all other things. Like 
full screen, use click outside are super, super cool. If you say like you click outside of uh, a menu or hover menu, then you maybe want to close it or you want to maybe show, uh, I don't know, a warning. Do you really want to leave? So many, uh, so many cool aspects. And uh, so it also... looks like you still do it like in the script tag in the JavaScript though, right? Um, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's still in the JavaScript. Yeah, but it's, it's like one line. How does it to... how does it get called down in the like the HTML or in the templating? Um, and it, it, oh, they use oh, do full screen one. Yeah, yeah you, you can define a template ref. So you can say you have some component, then you say okay. ref equals then a name. And then in your setup function, you can say const again the variable variable name, say element equals some ref, and then you can pass it in. Okay, yes. yep, that's I think what similar I was looking concept for. for. Like Angular also has template refs, and I guess React as well. Oh, very cool. Looks awesome. And I, it's it's uh, it's really cool also to to see how people are building these composables because still the composition APIs. I don't want to say it's new because it's more than half a year out now, um, but still people are looking into how should I build that? And there is always the source code included there, tests there. Check it out. Yeah, there's an incredible, a crazy amount of stuff already in here. That's awesome. It's great to see the community come together. I feel like maybe I'm crazy, but I feel like the community around Vue is unbelievable. And we could probably say that for every framework, but anyone who's likes Vue, they passionately it's like passionate, yeah. Vue. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Which is incredible. So Very different. It's, also, it's it's also always like with a peaceful mindset. I think there there are not many people saying like, "Oh, yeah, Vue is the best framework ever. Don't use the other." Uh, I don't know. I mean, I I have no problem when people choose React over Vue if they like it more, or Angular, or or Svelte, or or Jake. Well, jQuery. Let's see. <laughs> no, I, I don't mind if you say like you're 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 a jQuery advocate. Go for it. If this is what makes you happy, do it. But, right. And uh, it's I, whatever tool you need for the job, right? Like you, yeah, there, no. there's a tool for everything. Exactly. I think, I think Evan's background and like what he put promotes, like really encourages the fact that too. That Evan, you took Veet, made it, and then made an entire plugin for SvelteKit for <laughs> another framework. Like yeah. speaks to how the leader of the community basically like shares knowledge, which is yeah. awesome. Exactly. Brittany, your pick is up next. I think you might have mentioned this one a little bit. Yeah. And uh, speaking of Jason Lingsdorf, like I always love to jump to learn with Jason because he has a topic on absolutely everything. But there is a Let's Learn Nuxt with Maya Shaven. So um, if you want to learn more about Nuxt, that might be a good place to go and watch a short little episode. I think they're 90 minutes long about how to get started with Nuxt. Great pick. Perfect. Love Jason. He's super fun. And yeah, Maya also awesome. super cool. You got to mention felt yes. from it too. I was like, I what? I shouldn't. I shouldn't leave out Maya. She's fantastic. She's been yes. on the pod. I think last season or earlier this season. Oh really? Yeah, I was in the. Yeah, yeah. That that was one way early on. So we'll have to have Maya back on. So my second pick is Shadow and Bone. It's it came out like this week on Netflix, and we have already watched all of it. So it was amazing. It is a kind of fantasy. Um, mixed with dystopian like there's magic there's crazy society it's supposed to be spun off of like kind of a russian 1800s era like i don't know country that's got different zones in it and they're just there are these mages and there's uh, these regular like human people and it's it's crazy it's awesome so this go is check a, that. It's, it's based on a book series too. That's what I was going to ask. Okay. Yeah, cool. <laughs> it is. I, and I've, I've got to get the books. And so I'm going to get the books and binge all of them as well. But it was really good. I feel like my son would be totally into this. Uh, we'll have to see. It, he just turned 12. So it says TV 14. Yeah. I don't think there was much bad stuff in it. I don't okay. even remember language. So I, I started watching Mortal Kombat with him and like first scene. Oh, and I'm like, oh, can't do that. Whoops. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so my first pick on the, the TV themes here, um, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, it just wrapped up, and it was awesome. I, I wouldn't put it quite on scale with, uh, oh man, what's the name of the other one? Vision and uh, WandaVision, there we go. Um, oh. I, WandaVision was something crazy special that Marvel did, but this was super good, and 
it actually addressed a lot of things that are kind of happening in the U.S. and broader world at this time. So I, I really enjoyed how they wrapped that up together with what was going on in this. So awesome. super cool. Um, the other thing, this new lit.dev, or I think I can say like the next version of Polymer or the next version of lit 2.0 technically, um, there was this kind of mess that started to occur with like lit HTML, lit element and like Polymer team and like all this confusion. And I feel like they finally like put it all together. They've done it right. They made a new version of it. Um, and so if, if you're kind of starting to get into web components or you've done them in the past and they just, it was too complicated or whatever for you, um, definitely check out lit 2.0. They just, um, had a release on it and, uh, the website kind of walks you through all the little easy custom elements and everything you have to work with and super small Google? package. What's Is that? this Google's web component library? Yeah, so Polymer's the the Google side, and then this is going to be your open source side to okay. um, web components. So it if like you Material UI, I was just yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it's it's crazy cool how you can like so small um, of use. I always recommend people that um, they want to create their own like design systems. If, if they use web components, like it, it really becomes key because then you can use it across everything. So they also can fit pretty easily back into frameworks too. There are some challenges around doing that, but um, I think this, I think web components, I thought it would have taken off uh, faster, but I think they will continue to grow and, and take off in the next three, five years. We'll see. So that is my final pick and all of our perfect picks. And so I just want to say thank you so much again, Alex. I really appreciate you coming on and taking kind of the next deeper dive into Nuxt for us. Um, we'll have to have you on once 3.0 kind of starts to get ramped out a little further and you can tell us all the goodies that have occurred and, and all that. Super fun. excited to, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you both uh, for joining again. That was really and, uh, fun. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. It was Appreciate awesome. It. See you later. Bye.